the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red blood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website, and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. Welcome back to our NIL interview series. In this episode, we are introduced to outside linebacker Devin Grant. Grant, who will play as a redshirt freshman this year, despite being on the field in both 2020 and 2021, introduced himself to the Buff Nation late last season. Thrust into the starting lineup for the final two games due to injuries, Grant had eight tackles in the season finale against Utah, a taste of what CU fans can expect from Grant for the 2022 season and beyond. Grant talks about his recruitment and the fake love he got from other schools other than Colorado. Grant breaks down how his role as an outside linebacker has changed as CU transitions from a 3-4 defense to a 4-3 defense, and what it's like to have his new position coach, Chris Wilson, also be the defensive coordinator. Finally, Grant talks candidly and openly about the players who left Boulder through the transfer portal, NIL opportunities, or the lack thereof, for CU student-athletes, and the mood of the locker room as the preseason magazines roll out, predicting yet another losing season for Colorado. So, What's it like to be an outside linebacker in the film room, with Grant breaking down his off-season preparation into three stages? What makes Grant believe that the leadership is there in the CU locker room to overcome past adversities, and that the 2022 team is tired of losing? And which personal goal has Grant set for himself, one which, if achieved, will all but guarantee all Pac-12 status? Let's find out. Okay, and we're back, and we're talking with Devin Grant, and welcome to the podcast. So thank you. I'm happy to be here. Okay, well, first of all, I have to figure out what to, how to classify you. Both your position and your year in school are a little uh, hard to figure yeah. out, so... Um, so basically, um, I play outside linebacker and I have four years of eligibility left, but I'll be a junior in the fall school-wise. So I just school-wise. finished my sophomore so. Like you yes. had the, the COVID year, which didn't count and you didn't play four games last yes, year. So you'll yes, be third year on the field, but you'll still be a freshman. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. that makes perfect sense. Yes, no problem with that. <laughs> um, so you were a member of the recruiting class of 2020. Yes, Coming out of San Antonio, mm-hmm. he had a number of Big 12 offers, uh, like Oklahoma State, Kansas, Iowa State. Now, I'm old enough to remember when 
Colorado was a member of the Big 12, but you were not even in grade school by the time yeah, no. <laughs> you left for the Pac-12. So uh, why didn't you uh, stay in Texas, play in state, or play for uh, a Big 12 school? What led you to play for Colorado? Um, so basically, I ended up getting a lot of offers, and I felt like there was a lot of not, I guess you can say like fake love from other coaches, like other schools. They just offered me because I got offered by someone else. But Colorado was the first to offer me. And then after that, all these other schools started offering me. So I, I kind of took it upon myself to say that Colorado gave me my chance to be successful as I, I was. So basically I chose Colorado because they were the ones that called me every single week and they were really interested in me. So, okay. So, were you hearing from Colorado back all the way to the Mike McIntyre staff or was it the Mel Tucker staff? So it was the Mel Tucker staff. So like Mel Tucker first called me and offered me and then he came to Texas to visit my family a couple of times. So I was part of his recruiting class. So Okay. So you commit the summer of your senior before your senior year, play after senior year, uh, get to be in the All-American Bowl. Everything's looking pretty good. Um, you sign and then the coach leaves. Mm-hmm. Were you an early enrollee for the class? No, sir. I was not an early. Enrollee. So you hadn't even gotten to campus by the time Mel mm-hmm. Tucker had left. Yes, sir. What was it like to sign in early February and then a couple of weeks later have your head coach leave the program? How hard was that to? Uh, yeah, so it was hard. Hey. It was shocking. Like, I, the way I found out is my grandma found out and she was crying. So it was very upset for her. So, it was kind of a shocking situation, but I knew at the end of the day, I taught myself to make sure the coaches are well, they're going to, they want you, but you don't commit to a, a university for coaches just for opportunities like that to happen. Because I mean, he just got offered a lot more money, which is like fine. And that's just how the real world works. And that's how the NFL works. So I just took it upon myself that I still chose to come here for my education and it's a beautiful town. So. Yeah. Okay. Did you take any other official visits other than CU? Yeah. So I think that's probably one of my biggest regrets is not taking any other officials, but I only took my Colorado officials. So. Okay. And obviously you're, you're a smart young man. You had Air Force and Army and Duke and other places like that that were offering you. What were the, were the academies uh, a strong pull for you? What was the, what was the draw there? Um, so I wasn't as interested in the academies. I was going to go to Duke, but, um, something happened with like the coaching staff there. So that didn't really work out for me, but yeah, I wasn't really into the, the Air Force Academy and the Army Academy. I didn't really like, um, the coaches. I felt like they're a little vague and not really recruiting me for who I am as a person. So I try to stay away from that. Okay. So you never quite made it to campus in 2020. So what were you doing in the spring of 2020 with the, when did you first get to talk to Carl Durrell? Um, so it was that um, summer or it was that spring. So, I mean, that spring in 2020, I was just working out, like just um, staying the course, hoping to get a, a good head coach. And I've heard real good things about Carl Durrell and he's showing that he is the coach that we all want and we all need in this program. So. Okay. So when did you finally get to, to Boulder, like the summer of 2020 or not till the fall when they decided it was, it was, it was was the summer of 2020. 
it was like late June. It was like we had workouts, but it was like two, like two, three people in a group. Like it was spaced out time wise. So it, I think that's when it was like COVID was really bad. So just like we wanted to get our work in, but we also wanted to be safe, have safety precautions and stuff like that. Right. Okay. So the 2020 abbreviated season, you did get actually to play some, uh, mostly like some like special teams. You yeah, special teams. Got to dress and stuff like that. What was it like to, even though there was no fans in the stands, uh, what was it actually like to you know play for a Power Five school in 2020? Oh yeah, I mean it was weird. Like I always thought that like I was always excited to play in front of the fans. So like being in the game, it was just like practice to me because there wasn't a lot of friends fans out there. So, but it was a really unique experience. I felt like the transition from playing games with no fans to having I think sixty nine thousand and Folsom is just amazing to me. So okay, so the Buffs did make it back to San Antonio. Uh, how much fun was that for you? The- oh, yeah. So that was, that was a really fun experience. Like I didn't see my mom for a while after that. So being able to see them, but unfortunately my roommate got COVID the day before the game. So I had, um, I had to sit out and uh, stay away just in case I didn't have COVID at the time, but I ended up getting it a couple of days afterwards. But I was very bummed about not playing in the Alamo Bowl, but it's it's totally fine. Okay, yeah, I was wondering because in your or a CU Buffs bio, you know, it showed that you dressed for the five games, and then yeah, you think that of all the games of the twenty twenty season, you'd want to dress for would be the yeah. Alamo Bowl playing. Yeah, I was I was really excited. They said they were going to give me opportunity to play in front of my my hometown, so I was really excited. But unfortunately, that happened. So okay. So now we shift to last year, 2021 season, your second sort of freshman year, and you're on the scout team and you gave an interview that you were pretty frustrated being on the scout team. What was it like not being uh, being on the field? What was the plan, I guess, that you, you know, to not have you play so you could preserve an, another year of eligibility? Was that the. Um, you know, so basically it was, it was something like that. I knew that, um, I they didn't think I was good enough to be a factor on defense, but they knew I was good enough to give a good look to the offense. So, I mean, I just worked every single day. I knew that at first I took it as an insult, but then it was just I was getting the same amount of reps as the starters working on the other side. So just working on my craft, working on my game, working on how I can be stronger in the weight room and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed being on the scout team overall, just for the work that I put in, just to see how the player I was today. So, Okay. So um, you did get scout team player of the week and things like that. So obviously you were getting noticed by the coaches and then as fate would have it, some injuries late in the season, some of your teammates got you on the field. So you did get to play a little bit against UCLA, mm-hmm. right? And then you got to start the last two games, Washington and uh, and Utah. So what was it like running out onto the field now with fans in the stands, running behind Ralphie, knowing that you were going to be uh, starting against Washington? Yeah, so um, I always, ever since I was younger, like I was always starting. So obviously coming to see you, like not starting was like a little trouble for me, but I told myself that just stay ready. I knew that the scout team prepared me well. And I knew that just knowing the playbook would um, play me well, like 
prepare me well, but I knew I didn't think I was going to have a chance to play in the UCLA game and do the injuries. I obviously had the opportunity, but it was fun. Like it was, it was a really unique experience. I had a really good time in that UCLA game. And then the following week, I just had to focus up a little bit more and knowing that I had a starting job playing on the other side of a great player, Carson Wells, just like knowing that I have him on the other side. I just knew I had to play it in my best ability. So, Okay, so the, the season finale was on the road against Utah, and you had a really great game, eight tackles, second on the team, and tackles against Utah, obviously going up against the team that won the Pac-12 championship. What was it like playing in a, a hostile environment, being a starter for the first time? Going yeah, to- so it was it was really a really unique experience. I felt like I had a lot of fun. I felt that I kind of take fans that just like – a fun atmosphere. I don't really see it as a hostile thing. I think I gained a little bit more confidence knowing that there's a lot of people watching me and how I want to present myself to everybody in the world. That's why I work so hard at practice. That's why I prepare myself so hard during practice. So I I don't really see it as a hostile environment. I just see it as an opportunity to show television in the world and obviously their fans and our fans, like who Devin Grant is as a player. So... Okay, so you have any fond memories? Do you get those eight tackles? Anything that stood out to you as far as uh, showing the um, fans in the world what uh, what Devin Grant could do on the yeah? Field? So yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember in the fourth quarter, I had a I had a drop, so I was dropping back and they ran a little screen, and I I cut the tackle and I hit the the guy really hard and I just heard the whole. It was very weird. I would the whole stadium go like ooh, and it was just like <laughs> it was a very it was a very fun experience. Like obviously in my head, like I'm just focused and I'm just trying to do the right thing and stuff like that. But that was all. That was a really awesome memory, and I probably will never forget that feeling. So okay. So that help you carry over in this offseason here that knowing that, uh, you know, you are capable of playing at this level and starting at this level and being a, a major contributor at this level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. So basically, I felt like I've shown like my last three games that I could play here and that I, I could be a potential starter. But I just I don't really look for that anymore. I think it was my freshman year. I was very selfish about not playing and I realized like at the end of the day it's a team game so I feel like I do want to start the season and I have the capability and and I probably will start but I know if I don't start and I'm in a rotation I know that the guys right next to me and the guys in front of me and behind me are working just as hard so just kind of having the team mindset of just not if I don't play and we win games, I will be very excited just because I love this team and I play for everyone around me. So, yeah. Okay. So the switch this year from a three, four to a four, three, um, I think most people would be listening to this podcast would understand what three, four and four, three mean, but what does it mean? What was your role, you know, your position role, in a three, four compared to what your position role is going to be like yeah. in a four, three. Yeah. So last year we were in a three, four and I was more of like an outside linebacker. And that was more of just like being the ultimate edge and like a lot more pass drops. So now being in the four, three, it's kind of similar, just not a lot of drops, but just like being the edge. And there's a lot of stunts and games that we're going to end up running and stuff like that. So there's a lot of plays that, 
kind of correlates to the three, four, that's going to help the outside linebackers playing defensive, defensive ends to make plays and have the ability to like show off their talents. But I'm really excited for the four, three. So. Okay. So you mentioned Carson Wells being on the other side and, you know, obviously he's, he's off to, you know, try for the, to make the NFL. What's it like in the room, even though you're classified as a freshman now being, kind of one of the older guys, one of the the leaders in the unit uh, yeah. going forward to 2022. Yeah, so I think Carson Wells and Joshka Gustav were preparing me. They were really, they took me in, they mentored me, and they're basically like brothers to me. And they're great football players on the field, but they're great men off the field too. So I think really they taught me how to study, how to watch film, how to work out on off days and stuff like that. So I feel like now, being one of the older guys in the leader, I I took in the role of being like them and helping everybody else out in the room. And just, I I thrive to be the smartest outside linebacker and know the whole playbook and know defenses and stuff like that. Just so if they have a question, they can ask me and I can answer it correctly. Just so if they're confused, I can answer it. And then now they can play fast. And it just helps the whole team. And if we're all playing fast, we'll win a lot more games. So, okay. So what's it what's it like in the study room? I mean, you know, I talk about being the smartest guy. You know, knowing all the other. You know, we talk about you know, watching film and studying defense. What are you you looking for? You are you already looking at TCU? Are you looking at you know different you know teams are you playing the Pac-12 every year and saying okay this guy's not going to be back this year or this guy's coming back and I know his tendencies what's uh what's the film room study like what is what okay is, yeah so basically I kind of break it down into like three parts so my first part is obviously spring ball and that's like after the season so I'm watching my film after the season and then during spring ball obviously I'm watching the tackles I go against like Jake Wiley and Frank Phillip and just watch how they react to like pass sets and are they going to jump set me and vice versa but now in the summer I'm in the summer transition so I'm starting to watch the TCUs and the Air Forces and stuff like that and that's just an overall of like their tendencies they run, like how many, like how many times they run the ball, their ratio to second down if they run or pass the ball. And then kind of like towards the, the season, like every week I like to study the tackles. I like to study their tendencies on what they do. And then I kind of have a cut up of every time they get beat and like what moves beat them. So then I practice those moves during the week. So it helps me a lot better to prepare their, for the game. So okay. So what are you and or the the team in general? You got Air Force on the schedule this year, which runs an offense that you don't see yeah. ever. Is that something that's already on your mind? Is that something that you talked about during the spring with the coaches? Yeah, so um not really in spring ball, but I know that in the summer we're really gonna focus on TCU and Air Force, like during our workouts and stuff like that. But I'm I'm really excited. I'm excited for TCU to come. They it's a Texas school. I always want to be on some Texas schools. And I'm excited to play Air Force as well. I'm excited to go to Colorado Springs. So just really just staying the course, working out, and we'll learn about them in the summer and see what we can do with them. So okay. so a team like Air Force, is that just assignment football? Is that how they're effective is uh um yeah so i kind of watched film i think two years ago when i first got up here with carson on air force and it's just like 
you just got to be a sound defense. Like their offense is so well um, run because they're all disciplined and they all just do their job and they don't try to pop gaps and a lot of stuff like that. So just like all they do, what they do really well is just run their few plays really well. And a lot, not a lot of defenses can stop that. So it's going to be a real interesting challenge for us, but I think we'll come out with the victory. So, okay. Well, in addition to switching defenses, you also switched your position coach. Your defensive coordinator is now your position coach. Um, How was it like having Chris Wilson be your outside linebackers coach this year, this spring? Yeah, so he's been a real blessing. I feel like he's an amazing coach. And I always knew he was an amazing coach from the being the our defensive coordinator standpoint, but actually being our position coach, just how how much he knows about football and how much he tries to teach us. And he also tries to teach us to being how to be a man and stuff like that. And I really admire that. But he's been a great asset. I feel like my spring has been a lot better under his coaching. And I feel like I've learned a lot from him. And yeah, he's an amazing coach, though, and I'm really excited to see what we do in the fall and the summer training with him. So, okay. is it a little weird having your position coach also be the defensive coordinator, oh, having that yeah. extra layer of yeah. coaching there, or not like kind of like having your dad be your pop Warner coach? Well, yeah, treat it differently if it's your position coach. I guess you can say that. I feel that like in our individual periods, he's all about us, and then like. When we go to seven on seven, he goes with them. So like we're in pastures. So it just shows like, okay, this is my position group and I'm going to spend this time with them to make sure they get the work. But I'm also the head coach on the defense. So I need to see what everybody else is doing. So I feel like he does a real good job balancing it out and making sure everyone's getting the same amount of coaching that they need and they deserve. So, yeah. Okay. So we talked about, you know, that you were, you started the last couple of games last year. Uh, you talked about holding on to your starting position. Coming out of the spring, as we're talking now, you're just done with spring practices. You feel pretty comfortable that uh, you're going to be in the the starting lineup this fall? Which um, Yeah, so basically I feel like I'll be in the rotation. I feel that obviously like going with Guy Thomas and like Terrace Lang, those are big and Jamar Montgomery, those are big assets to our defense and Joshka's coming back. So I'm really just staying the course. I know that I, if the opportunity presents itself, I would play and I will start and I'll play at the level that I want to play. But um, my goal at the end of the year is not to start. It's to make sure to be the best team player I, I want to be. So. Okay. And then you got some new guys coming in in June. And it's always kind of a, you know, hard from the, you know, the outside that, you know, we're not in the room, you know, that when you're being recruited, you know, it's like, we want you, you're going to be the man. And as soon as you get there, they start recruiting the next guy to come in and beat you out. Um, How hard is it to kind of have that camaraderie? And, you know, now that you're one of the senior guys on the unit to not only want to help these guys and help them grow so that they can be good contributors to the team. And yet, you know, look at him and say, well, this guy's trying to, you know, take food out of my, out of my mouth. He's trying yeah. to keep, uh, keep me from getting on the field. Uh, how, how does that work in the, in the locker room and in the, in the unit room? Yeah. I feel like with a question like that, I think it varies from how the person is. I take that as I'm really excited for those guys to come. Like I'll, 
obviously I want to win the Pac-12 championship one day. So I know that we need everybody for that. So I think my role as of right now, before they get here, is to make sure everybody else in the room is good with assignments, like their keys and stuff like that. But since in June with those two new, we're getting two new outside linebackers, just I want to be a mentor. I want to, I feel like I know everything on the defense, so I just want to be there for them if they have any questions. And I'm going to try to make sure they get extra work, just trying to be the best player they can be. Because at the end of the day, I want to impact everyone that I meet and everyone that I see. So just that's kind of what my goal in life is, is just to be a positive impact on everybody. So I don't really see it as them taking my spot and they did like good for them. They worked hard enough for that. And I will just be there supporting them all the way to the end. So just, I really want to be a mentor for the two young guys and make sure they can end up playing in the fall and see what they can do. So I'm really excited about that. Though. Okay. Well, I've you know talked with a number of your teammates doing this interview series, and it seems like this is a pretty close knit, or at least that's the consensus that the team that's, you know, that's left, you know, is pretty much the guys that want to be there, but the outside world kind of looks at CU and saying, okay, this was a four and 18 last year, lost a number of players through the transfer portal. How does that, stuff filter into the locker room? Is that something you guys read the internet? Do you pay attention to the preseason prognostications or is it, you know, just try and tune everything out and just do your job? Um, I feel like there's a mixture of people that watch the internet and get upset about that kind of stuff. But I know for me in a personal standpoint, I feel like that doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, yes, we did lose a lot of transfers. Like we did lose a lot of people from the transfer portal, but if those guys entered the portal, they didn't want to be there in the first place. So I feel like, I feel like what me and Darrell talked about the other day is like, for us to be a championship team with a winning record, like everyone has to be on board. And those guys that transferred, like, yeah, most of them are good players, but they're selfish. And it's like, you can't really have that on a winning football team. Like they want to go to the NFL and they want to like make sure they're playing good, which is, which is ideal. Like everybody wants that, but if you buy in to your team and play for one of each other, that success you have with the team is going to open up the opportunities you have for yourself. So I just really think that I'm glad that everyone left that they did because I feel like it was just holding our team back. And then like for another thing, I feel like no one knows what goes on during our workouts. Like we, our whole team, we work out every single day in the summer. Like we go extra and we have like one day off, maybe like we even try to get work and watch film with that. So I feel like what's important to me is just no, no one's opinion really matters, but our own, like if we want to win the championship, we come together and we're going to do it. If we all come together and do it, it doesn't matter. I think I saw a coach told me that they have us last in the Pac-12 and everyone's like, oh, that's so disrespectful. And it's like, it doesn't matter because we're not going to be last. And then when we win the Pac-12, what are they going to say? They're going to say, we knew this was going to happen. So I feel like it's just an opportunity for our team to rather take it as motivation or just ignore it because at the end of the day, it's all about us. So, Okay. So we're in this brave new world, you know, with the, the transfer portal, with the name, image, and likeness stuff. Do you guys talk a lot about opportunities for name, image, and likeness? Um, talk a little bit about maybe the the buffs with the brand. What does that 
translate? What does that mean for somebody like you to uh, be associated with Buffs with the brand? So basically, um, at first, before NIO, Buffs with the brand was just kind of like for internships and like job opportunities for people. So they just help like promote yourself. But ever since the law dropped for name, image, likeness, I felt like influencer has been a huge help. I feel like it gives our student athletes opportunities to one, promote themselves and then having compensation as well to help their daily lives and stuff like that. So I feel like Buffs and the brand really helped us in the compliance and everyone that's working upstairs at CU has helped our student athletes try to benefit and promote themselves as well as they can. So, Okay. So you actually were one of the few that actually reached out to me through the influencer site, which is great. Have you done other type of uh, communications conversations as they're called on the website? Uh, yeah. Reaching so, out to other businesses and stuff. Yes. Yeah, so, like I've talked to other businesses for me. I, I'm a big like family person. So I don't really spend a lot of money on myself. Like I save up and I help my family. So I felt like name, image, and likeness is a great way to promote yourself. And if people like you, they'll help you and they, they'll pay you for them for all you have to do is promote their product and stuff like that. And I really enjoy that because I like sales. I like marketing. I like the whole idea of that. So I really try to reach out to really anyone and everyone because I know I'm benefit from it, from it. But like I said earlier, I want to give a positive impact to the world. So if I could promote their product or restaurant or whatever they have that they're selling and I can get them more customer, more customers, I feel like I've done a good job in the world because I'm promoting that. So. Okay. So, you know, a lot of other schools have business people and stuff like that, that they, you know, putting these things together, see you at this point, or at least boosters, of course, it's not see you to do it, it'd be the boosters or fans outside of it, putting together these groups. Would you be in favor? Or are you wondering why CU fans haven't done it yet? Rick George has, you know, given a lot of interviews, talk about inducements, and that's contrary to, you know, the bylaws of the NCAA. And, you know, we got a lot of freshmen, incoming freshmen recruits that are, you know, getting offered deals, which was never supposed to be part of NIL, things like that. But you also have, you know, Texas offensive linemen getting paid $50,000 just to basically breathe. Is there any wonderment in the in the locker room as to why the University of Colorado fans haven't put together some sort of a, a group to help promote CU players? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I do wonder that. I feel like there's a lot of guys on the team that are getting NIL deals and getting paid, like, small amounts of money and, like, using it well. And there's a lot of guys that are star players that are not. And I feel like um, I do wonder why there's not, like, a group, like, helping us. But, like, at the end of the day, like, NIL is an extra benefit, and it's it's what you put in. Like, I feel like I've been successful on NIL because I've – reached out to companies and I'm just not in it for the money. Like I'm in it to promote and give positive feedback and impact anyone that I can. So I feel like just like for the NIL standpoint is like one, that is a good thing, but two, like people could get jealous about NIL deals that people shouldn't get. And another thing, like at the end of the day, we're all here to play football. 
And NIL is a way that you can get paid with extra benefit and stuff like that. But um, I feel like we're also playing football and we all need to focus on winning a championship. So So there have been some, you know, uh, the freshman class that will be 2023 have started to take visits and things like that. Have you had any contact with any of the incoming recruits? And then if so, have they had any talk about, you know, how much am I going to get paid if I come yeah. to you versus yeah, how much I'm getting paid to be, you know, playing somewhere else? Yeah. So um, really like the kids coming in that are already committed that would come in the summer. They just asked me, they're just like, how do I get NIL deals? Like put me on NIL deals. And I'm just like, like I will, but I just want you to know that like NIO isn't the reason why you're coming here. You're not coming. I feel bad for the kids that are going to those schools because they're getting these big deals with NIL because if they promise to come here, we'll give you this amount of money. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to have to be there for three, four years if you want your degree. And if you absolutely hate it, like you took the money from them, you know, like you can't just take it and leave. So I felt like I, I try to help everybody and I try to be, like I said, a positive impact with everybody. So those questions I've answered honestly and truthfully. And I'm just like, those are nice, but let's come up here and work and win a championship because I don't think people realize with NIL is like the people who are getting these free cars, these six figure contracts and whatever, these are players that are going to go to NFL. Like these are big time players that are making plays on the field. So I feel like going back to your other question with NIL that there's some kids that are upset about it. And it's like, well, when you're 418, like not a lot of people are going to want to promote that, you know, like as soon as we start winning games, the NIL will go up. So I think really just if you really want positive impact on NIL, just keep working hard and worry about your yourself and how to be a team player so we can all win. So we'll all get NIL deals like that. So, okay. Well, I guess one of the, you know, one of the concerns you like CU fans have had because the, like the 2016 team that won 10 games, won the South was a bunch of seniors that basically, you know, said, well, we're tired of losing, you know, it'd be a strong leadership unit. We're going to take it, you know, to the next level. We're just tired of, we're just, you know, we're tired of losing. We're going to start winning football games. I just had that kind of attitude, had that team mentality. Is it going to be harder for a school like CU that has, for back of, lack of a better word, defections to build up to have a senior class like that that can actually take it to the next level and start winning championships? Yeah, so it's interesting that you say that because I felt I feel like this spring has been a really good spring. And I feel like the leadership has really increased. And I feel like our senior guys are really like really important pieces to our offense and defense and special teams. So I feel like they also want to leave with like a big impact. So I feel like the more leadership we have, the stronger our team will get and the more games we would win. So I think for my third, this will be my third season here. I think this would be the most excited, the season to be most excited about because this spring has been the best spring that I've had here as well. More of just like defense was, or our practices were offensive defense, offense would make a play, defense would make a play. It wasn't one-sided like it has always been. It wasn't like offense is beating defense real bad at practice and our defense is beating real offense that bad. It was always trading, like taking blows, trading blows. So I'm really excited about that. I felt like the leadership 
from our defensive line and Quinn and Terrence and then some of the offensive guys as well. It's like we're tired of losing and we know that we shouldn't be losing and we're losing games from two or three plays. So I feel like this summer training is really important for us. If we keep the leadership like we did in the spring, then we're going to have the season we want with the 10 games and the winning the South and winning the Pac-12 championship and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, I mean, obviously a team guy, you talk about all the team goals and winning games, stuff like that, but uh, you got to have some personal goals, not just getting on the field, not just starting, but what would be a, a breakout season for, for Devin Grant in terms of what you can accomplish and what you know you can accomplish and, what you like to see, not necessarily maybe in terms of numbers, but just uh, what do you, what would you like to do, and what you like to see from Devin Grant in twenty twenty? Okay, yeah, no. So um, I felt like my last three games, I had it like I think I had four or five uh, TFLs. So I really want to improve on that. I feel like I should get more than that. But obviously, I only played three games. But my biggest goal is getting a sack a game. I feel like if I get one or two sacks a game. I play 12 game season. That's 12 to 13 sacks. And I'm in the Pac 12. Uh, like I made the all Pac 12 team and I'm being noticed on ESPN and stuff like that. So just as simple as just keeping it as I was one sack a game. And I obviously, like another thing I thrive on is being the smartest outside linebacker. I also want to be the smartest on the field on both sides of the ball. So just like being known as the smartest, fastest, strongest outside linebacker. And then really just narrowing it down to at least one sack a game and then there's 12 games so 12 13 sack season will be a really good season for me so yeah that would definitely be an all pack 12 <laughs> yeah performance and since he was i don't have the stat in front of me probably in the 120s yeah. nationally in sacks last year it was definitely a, a lacking in, in terms of production in that particular statistic yeah. so being you know i'll finish with the being the smartest guy in the field you're a a philosophy major, or at least you were a philosophy major. I was, yeah. So I'm I'm in communications right now. So oh, okay. Yeah. So you, you blew my whole story there. That you know, my best friend and you know undergrad was a philosophy major, and uh-huh. you know, like I couldn't say anything because I was history and poli sci. So, but uh-huh. uh, what uh, what led you to want to be in philosophy in the first place? What was uh, what was the draw there? Um, so I took a philosophy class my freshman year and that was like the COVID year. So like, they're kind of like, um, we should pick a major and stuff like that. So that was the class I had, I liked the most. So I chose that. And then, um, I ended up switching to communications because I feel like I like to have a lot of opportunities. I feel like I don't want to have just one opportunity. So, I feel like with philosophy, you can be a professor and a philosopher. And like, that's really it. So I feel like communication, there's a lot of CEO opportunities that can be on the news and like a bunch of stuff like that. But I'm also a minor in business because I'm a big real estate guy. I want to be one to like flip houses and rent out units for people and stuff like that. So very good. Okay. Well, we'll leave it at that, that the smartest guy in the field is going to be Devin Grant. He's going to be getting a, a sack a game and playing it for an all Pac-12. He's going to be an all Pac-12 performer playing for a team playing for the Pac-12 title. So Sorry. Sorry. great. Thank you for your time and uh, stay healthy, first of all. Sorry. And then uh, hope you have a good season. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. 
This episode and this series of interviews would not have been possible without your kind contributions to the See You at the Game NIL GoFundMe campaign. So thanks to all of you for supporting your CU student-athletes. The interviews are winding down. We're in the last five episodes of the series, but I still look forward to meeting and interviewing more CU student-athletes in the coming days. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. As you hopefully know by now, the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all you need to do to get listened to all the NIL podcast interviews is to look them up at the See You at the Game website. So, until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, Go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.